let's get going. I am super excited about our guest in this episode today. But first, let me please welcome my amazing, incredible, talented co-host, Mr. Benjamin Farrell. Ben, are you out there with us today? Absolutely. Yes, Don Lego. And I am fired up for this segment. I am, of course, focused on fundraising and I'm fired up to share. You know, Raise is lifting off with each passing moment, every new session. People are getting more excited, making those connections. And what a better way to spend your day than with a nationwide group of fundraisers. So I'm ready to get started. Well, without further ado, do you know who we have as a guest today? Our amazing keynote. She just rocked Ray's this morning. She brought the house down. The, the digital communication world is blowing up right now. We have the one and only Pam Sherman. Pam, you're here. How exciting. We're so happy to have you. Actually in person, in Actually a room in with person. Don Lego. Yeah. And who's Don Lego? Yeah, who's Don Lego? Right? No, 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 not who's Don Lego, but she's always known as Don, Don Lego. Lego. That's right. <laughs> I'm on nice the three-syllable three name. How was your session this morning, Pam? Did you well, have a good time? I'm so energized. And what was so exciting was an interactive keynote is what I always want. And I want people to have tools and takeaways that are meaningful, not just listening to somebody. Uh, and for me, I was just so inspired by the chat. People were sharing their core defining words, their core values, and their vision of a fearless future in what I started talking about of VUCA world. You know, we're living in a vile, volatile, uncertain, chaotic, and ambiguous world. And, and my theory is that's the way fundraisers live. They live their lives always in a VUCA world. So it was no surprise that when the pandemic hit, fundraisers were able to really tap into their energy, their grit, and their resilience and raise more money than ever before because of even greater need. And you have some stories about that, don't you, personally? Well, yeah. It's, right? uh, so let's, let's first <laughs> learn a little bit about you. Oh, okay. Because, you know, <laughs> we all know and love you, but there's a whole international community of Raise Nation out there. And we want them to know you a little bit better. So let's hear a little bit about your story. I love the recovering attorney. That's hilarious. To yes, me. yes. I, I have, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a multi-hyphenate who, by the way, can't sing, who can't sing and dance. <laughs> but uh, my core defining word is energy. And I found my passion in helping leaders present themselves and their stories around the world. After I left the practice of law as an attorney, I thought I'd gone into a secure profession I'd always had a dream of being an actor and uh, in a recession a long time ago and far away, my law firm went out of business and I became a full-time working actor and I was profiled in People Magazine of all things for ditching my day jobs to pursue my dreams. And I got a call and it was the head of training at the Department of Justice asking me if I would come in and do an acting for lawyers session. Hmm. And I, I really thought about it and I recall her saying, can you help me make my lawyers more interesting? <laughs> no, no, it's not possible. But I really thought about, if you think about it, a great lawyer who's trying to convince a decision maker is somewhat like a fundraiser. They're telling a story using the facts and the law in that case and themselves to move their audience to their point of view. And that has taken me working with leaders from, I like to say, Cincinnati to Saudi Arabia. Arabia, Morocco to Milwaukee and every place in between, because I think 
leaders like fundraisers, um, and I see every person as a leader at the core, uh, is really just trying to make an impact and make a difference in how uh, they can uh really make change happen in their communities and for who they want to serve and lead uh, with who they are. And that's the work that I get to do. So it's really helping people be better actors in the world. <laughs> well, so, so exciting, Pam. And really to hear you come into this interview fresh off your session and you're absolutely energized and people were full on participating in the chat to me just is a great signal a green light and possibility and potential moving forward. As people said, oh, my gosh, you know, I don't know if we can do another online or another virtual event. But where in the real world events do, does every person get a voice? And in this scenario, everyone has a voice. Everyone gets to participate. And uh, they're doing so in the chat. And what a great way just to share, to absolutely share in a moment. So as the person presenting, it sounds like your experience, interactively speaking, with an online event was good. Well, and I think we all learned that in the last year and a half. I'm very grateful for the technology that allowed me to continue to uh, actually expand my network beyond a way I, I never imagined. Uh, I used to have to get on a plane to go to Saudi Arabia, and then I could traverse and sit in my house and uh, talk to somebody from Saudi Arabia or have a virtual presentation. I, I think that there are great possibilities in the new world order. And that's really what fundraisers do, don't they? They look for possibilities uh, in the vistas and, uh, you know, you don't have to leave home to do it. And we don't want, uh, you know, even our virtual events. I've been energized by so many great events this year, not only that I spoke at, but that I participated in that had to do with making a difference in my community. So when you speak, you speak from a couple of different hearts, yes. right? You speak from the you know academic heart, the legal heart. You speak from the heart of leadership. But you do also walk the walk and talk the talk with the heart of philanthropy. So I'm holding here something really special. I want to hear this story a little, a little deeper. I have in my hands, I wish the studio, the audience could, could see and not just hear, but I have a beautiful uh, bracelet that I understand has been made with love. Yes. Um, and it has a purpose bigger than itself, bigger than the fashion statement that it would be on my wrist. I want to hear everything, every little detail, because this bracelet is just so special. Everyone in the world needs to own one. Would you please share this story with us? Well, Pam? really, the story starts uh, many, many years ago when I met a friend from South Africa. We were planning a huge global conference for CEOs, and the theme was possibilities. And uh, this friend had started a company in Cape Town, South Africa called Relate. And it is a nonprofit itself. And that's relate.org.za, right? Relate.org.za. Okay, because everybody needs a bracelet. Correct. So um, or they could go on my site, be Pam Sherman, and get a Suburban Outlaw Edge bracelet. And what she wanted to do was to uh, employ people who wouldn't otherwise be employed in South Africa, senior citizens, oh. and also employ young people and pay them in salary and what they call upskilling so that they could have educational opportunities. 
Uh, they've raised so much money for other charities in making these small bracelets. Their mantra is we can change the world one beat at a time. Oh. So after going to Cape Town and actually going to make the bracelets with the seniors and to tour where they lived, I had a vision that I wanted uh, these bracelets to make a difference in my hometown of Rochester, New York, and an organization, an all-girl charter school that a friend of mine had a vision to start. Uh, and, you know, my feeling is if somebody has a dream, it is our job to help them achieve it. That's really our, why we're here on this planet. And so each bracelet actually makes a difference for Young Women's College Prep, which a few years ago graduated their very first group of graduates in a city where we've had uh, really low graduation rates. This school had 100% graduate and 99% go to college. I mean, think about that. And each bracelet makes a difference one beat at a time. So I, I really believe in hands-on philanthropy in getting involved. And, and frankly, one of the things I love to do is be an auctioneer because uh, uh, you know, oh, come on to join the club. Pam. Let's do it. Let's do it. But I'm not, I always say I'm not a real auctioneer. I just play one on TV. Um, and the first time I got asked to, to be an auctioneer, I said, I don't know how to do that. That's terrifying. And I don't know, something happened and I got transformed and I literally felt like I was taking on a persona. I, I, uh, I joke that I became Sasha Fierce and uh, <laughs> wearing very high heels, which then I'm certain you don't have to do when you're an auctioneer. And uh, people were more afraid that I was going to fall off my heels and I was going to fail in the auction. <laughs> yes, I am. Um, I wear uh, I wear sneakers, of course, and have for many years. Doctor's orders. I said, you think uh, would be more comfortable if I wore these? And he said, yes. Yeah. So, um, Pam, I got to tell so you. so much fun to do that, right? Well, it, it certainly is. And, you know, the very first fundraising I did was, was for my very own family, because at the time we'd had a diagnosis in the family. We had all these things we need to do and insurance that we're not paying for any of it. And so we did a friends and family. We put out an email, by the way, this is a tip for all good fundraisers. I sent out a personal email on my work computer at the time to all users in the city in which I work. You know, I <laughs> don't do that again. I did it anyway. And um, I said, donate three things from your home that you don't want, need or love anymore that someone else might want, need, and love, and let's have a fundraising auction. And it was that very first event in that crowd of people that were all there for our family supporting us. I was absolutely transformed. I knew right then and there, this is what I'd be doing for the rest of my days. And it is a thrill. It is exhilarating to see a room full of committed people, whether it's a room in person or room online, who are absolutely committed to helping others. It is best, the best. Yeah. And, and know every amount is, is worthy. And, uh, you know, that's why I love the whole concept of one cause where you can, you know, just on your phone, uh, give, it's just so easy at any, one, amount, at any rate. That's know, right. 10, one, you know, 10, $100 is just as good as one, $1,000. Well, and, and being an auctioneer, it really informs my work in leadership communications because, you know, and actually this is the book I, I am writing right now, which is so Ooh, many times. Yeah, it could be a while, but maybe by the next one race conference. Um, but the idea is that we all have a role that we play and we think we have to play you know, the vice president of advancement or the CEO of a nonprofit 
profit. And we forget that really the most important role we have to play is ourselves. So the title of the book, which I've written, is How to Play Yourself, The Leadership Role of a Lifetime. And we want to bring our best selves and show up with who we are at the core into our leadership. You know, great actors may take on a role, but the best actors bring who they are into that role. That's why the year on, we believe them, right? Well, I believe Tom Hanks in anything he does, right? <laughs> right. Um, but he's still Tom Hanks, uh, no matter who he's playing. And for me, that's my goal is to help every leader show up as the best version of themselves. And when I'm standing on an auction stage, I feel that power of playing the best version of myself, making a difference. It's so energizing. And I bring that into my leadership coaching and consulting because everyone should have that feeling. Even the introverts in the room can imagine themselves showing up as the best version of the, they don't have to do it like me. They have to do it like, like themselves, them. right? Uh, yeah, so I love that. Authenticity oh. to the max. Pam, you are speaking my language right here. You're speaking my language is having that personal integrity when you are the same person on the inside that you are the outside. That is what communicates so much to, to, to those in your, in your environment. And in this current state of where we are in the world, right? People are still marching forward. We're still raising money for people who need it. And so uh, one question that so many of our fundraisers have coming into this is, man, what can we do right now to keep the positive vibes going, to keep people energized, to keep them focused on what we need to do next? And so what are you seeing from, from those great leaders out there who are being successful during this time? I think they're actually embracing authenticity. They're they're letting go. Now it's funny, I, I, and I do have to make sure there's a balance because I do have some leaders that I have to remind. You know, when the camera's on, it's on, and you have to show up and literally look in the camera and imagine the most ideal audience or those that you want to impact and serve being uh, benefited by your presence. I think that's critically important. So they might do visualization prior to meetings. You know, bottom line is we're all in each other's homes, right? Through Zoom, it's a great miracle. But that doesn't mean that we, you know, it's like your mother said, clean up your room. You don't want to be, you want to be in that, that it's like safe. Invite them in as a great host and hostess would to make people feel comfortable, included and seen, but then also that they can feel like they got a warm hug from you for having been there. And I think uh, it is, it is a reminder that Zoom is merely a platform to allow your greatness to be broadcast to more. That's it. That's it. So I, I don't know if that answered your question, Ben. <laughs> well, I mean, I think you really, Philosophy, this is a theme it. that we are hearing from some of the great interviews we've had so far is you've got to be real and you've got to be honest okay. and you, and, and having a sense of transparency, I think builds the trust, builds the connection and Coming from that place of just being a real a real person, I think that is really helpful now instead of to pretending to be something that you're not. Yeah, it's funny. I have coached a lot of uh, incredible philanthropists who say, oh, I have to speak for three minutes at this event. And they always want to come in and 
not, you know, and they just say words, right? And and I stop without them meaning. and I, without meaning, or they or they get a script written by somebody else that's handed to them and it doesn't sound like them. And I, oh, I'm, I'm a communications um, a director's, you know, worst nightmare. I'm like, throw away the script, right here with <laughs> and throw away the script away, and just find a story that connects you personally to this event. To like, why are you here? What is how is this connected? to your core defining word or your core values or your leadership mission. And it really does transform communications, whether it's a live event or whether you're talking into a camera, imagining everyone dressed up at home, <laughs> ready to ready to give, right? We talked about that a lot today, that the channel doesn't matter. In-person, Zoom, it, hybrid, the channel doesn't matter. What matters is being a good leader, being part of something greater than yourself, being authentic, real, vulnerable, you can do that in any channel. Zoom in, in right. any. It's not the channel. Get over the channel, right? Issue. But Get come, come armed you. with. Uh, a, I always like to say a, a foundational understanding of what's important to you, who you are at the core, and then craft that and, and weave it, sort of wrap it in, really. Uh, important uh, storytelling. I, I, you know, obviously that's a big theme of the conference and a big theme Huge. of it. what are your favorite podcasts? It's, you know, why do we all listen to serial? Because <laughs> it's a story, right? Yes, it's I a, love it. <laughs> right? Um, my favorite podcasts are uh, the ones where I feel like I'm in the room experiencing a story with someone. For me, you know, moving to a smaller community, I got involved in philanthropy and I, um, I, I was telling the story of the first time I, I moved to Rochester, New York. My dad passed away rather suddenly and uh, he was an OBGYN and uh, at his funeral, all these women had said, thank you to your father saved me for, with an early diagnosis of, you know, fill in the blank, right. Um, ovarian cancer. So people in Rochester asked, who can we give to, um, upon your father's passing? I was brand new in town. I think we'd only been there about a year. And I, I picked a charity, um, Gilda, Gilda's club of Rochester, because I thought it was for women with ovarian cancer only to discover that it's for all people living with cancer. It's a wellness and emotional well-being community. And I got a call a few months later and it was from the executive director saying, can I come visit your house? And I said, um, my house, my house, what do you mean? <laughs> she said, well, well, we have something. And I, and my mother was visiting at the time. Um, and you know, we were still in the throes of our, 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 my dad's passing. And I said, well, my mom's here. I don't have time. And she said, no, 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 we need to meet your mother. So she comes with the director of development into my home. I meets my mother and said, um, we're so happy to meet you. So many people from all over have donated to Gilda's Club of Rochester in honor of my father from Staten Island, New York, um, that we would like to ask you to be a member of the board, Pam. <laughs> <laughs> and did that happen? Yeah, it did. It did. I knew you were going to say yes. Yes. I joined the board and um, was the chair of the gala that year. I didn't literally didn't know anybody, but it was my way of getting involved in my community. But it was that it was that personal connection. And I hope this story you could feel like my mother sat in my living room and cried tears of joy that people who didn't know my father got to know him through this giving mm -hmm. to a charity in a whole nother city. I mean, that's the point. It connects oh the dots. 
Well, well and it, the me. power of sharing the story and the what so many times I'll hear from people, we want to be a part of this continuum of giving, a continuum of improvement. If it's a private school, we want to do our part as a current family with a child here so that the school is better for the next generation. But they don't just see it as themselves giving a gift, but they see it as a part of all the families who have ever walked through the walls. And that story you just shared is, is exactly why fundraising works. People want to be a part of something great. They want to make a difference in the lives of others. And simply giving them that, uh, that opportunity opportunity is very inspirational. Thank well, you. and I can't help but think of, you know, the neuroscience of storytelling actually proves the point because when there's a story with hero conflict resolution, people actually want to give more. When there's a story, they're more emotionally connected and it gets them out of their heads and into their hearts. So to me, I think really what today and, and these podcasts that you're producing that I think are going to be so useful. I can't, I'm so excited to think of somebody like going for a walk and listening to us. Yes. <laughs> me too, me too. Um, but uh, what's going to be useful, and this is for all fundraisers, is remind yourself not to give an explanation of the work you do. Start with a brief story. Remind yourself to tell a story about you. People want to know about the fundraiser. That executive director was so charismatic. I really wanted to understand her story, what brought her to Gilda's Club. And I followed her. I was willing to do it once she shared her personal story. People always say, it's not about me. It's about the mission. It's okay. People want to follow people. People want to hear your story. What about the mission speaks to you? So take the time to practice and develop your own stories as a fundraiser, your personal story. It is not, um, it isn't egotistical. In fact, it's completely selfless. It is about the audience story. Yes. Yeah. And impacting well, them. Then I'm going to put that to the test. Okay. And <laughs> ask you to share another story. Uh -huh. I, well, I believe you had a volunteer experience not that long ago. Is oh, that right? Are we with, talking um, about the national woman? Yes. Do you know where I'm going with it? Yeah. So I we hear that I recently. Do you need selfless to share with us? It's interesting because as a columnist and I wrote a column for Gannett for 15 years, I hadn't really joined a lot of boards because I wanted to love every charity and nonprofit in my community and beyond and tell their stories. But I decided to actually uh, pony up and joined the induction leadership committee for the National Women's Hall of Fame based in Seneca Falls, New York. On um, the induction this year, um, we're inducting Mia Hamm, uh, Michelle Obama, Indra Nui, Katherine Johnson of the Hidden Figures, Octavia Butler, Joy Harjo, the Poet Laureate, like amazing, uh, just amazing people. But 20 years ago, when I moved to upstate New York, my husband said, we need to go to this event in this small town, Seneca Falls. I'm like, Seneca Falls? It's where Susan B. Anthony, you know, <laughs> I know Susan B. Anthony, where women's voting rights started. Yeah. I'm coming. Sure. It was a rainy night. We had to get a babysitter. And I sit down in the storefront. It was so tiny. And all it had were these little books that told the stories of all these women of impact. And I, I could have sat there and read, but I wanted to sit down and there was a little cocktail table 
with you know my little cubes of cheese. And I sat down next to this tiny woman, and it was Ruth Bader Ginsburg who was oh, being inducted. And I just I did a double take. And over the years, I've had experiences like that. I got to meet Dr. Bernice King, who was there on behalf of her mother, Coretta oh. Scott King, who was being inducted, or Catherine Switzer, the first woman to run the Boston Marathon. I got to meet her, or Lily Ledbetter of the Lily Ledbetter Fair Pay Act. Um, it, it, it was incredible. Every person introducing my mother to, um, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi when she was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame. You know, these women are women of impact. Their stories make a difference for the future. And to join the hall at a seminal moment in the middle of, of a pandemic as they've just moved into their new permanent home, how could I not? Um, and the thing is, every time I sat down to do a fundraising call, and I'm just a volunteer, right? But I told the story of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and there'd always be this gasp. What? You sat next to her. She was wearing lace gloves, by the way. Fingerless oh, lace gloves. <laughs> but I can picture it. But I, I think that for me, and I've been able to, I'm just every win I get, every dollar I get, I'm so proud of because it is through the storytelling. It isn't about, oh, we've got this building in Seneca Falls and we really want to give you, you know, give to the brick. It's about, um, bringing the stories of these amazing women to life. And I'm really proud of how much money we've raised. And by the way, the induction has been uh, postponed until September 2022 to ensure that there is safety and that we can all gather in Seneca Falls. So we're not done. If you're not done. (laughs) So does that mean we have to invite you back for another episode of Race Nation Radio so you can tell us part two of the story? I would love to tell you how much we've raised because we've really, um, it's been it's been so much fun to get on the phone and share those stories. And my husband said, Hey, don't you have a book to write? Don't you have other things to do? I'm like, no, not when I can actually, uh, you know, make a difference. Oh and every dollar counts, right? Well, it absolutely does count. It does make a difference. And um, look, if you've got 12 more months to go, you're just going to be doubling, uh, quadrupling your impact. So keep rolling. Now, I do want to ask a quick question about the storytelling. The storytelling has been, of course, in a topic. It's been shared across so many different ways. And I see the power. I know the power of stories. But for someone listening, and maybe they're new to fundraising, or even if they're a veteran fundraiser, they've never told their story before. Yes. Do you have just like one or two, just a, something tangible they can grab to say, okay, okay, I'm going to do this tonight. Practice telling my story to communicate with donors. Well, it's interesting because I, they always say, well, what's the story I would tell? So I say, you know, often a donor will say, well, so tell me about yourself, right? Which is the scariest question anybody asks, isn't it? Because you want to just take people on a data dump of, you know, well, first we're here. I love doing an exercise that I do where it's like, tell your life story in 60 seconds. No one can do it. Even the young people can't do it, right? But um, first, remember that what is a story? And I think this is really important, Ben. A story is a narrative that feels real to the teller and the listener. You know, the story I just told about the National Women's Hall of Fame, it was a rainy night. I got a babysitter. I, you know, my husband didn't know where, what, what the significance of Seneca Falls. I sat down with my plate of cheese next to a, a diminutive woman wearing lace gloves. It's got to have that kind of sensory detail. And then actually stating the emotion out loud. So sensory detail, emotion. And then I like to say, it should have a beginning, a middle and an end, right? It's just brief. A a 30 second story can actually change how people see you. So 
if you want to start, I first I say, um, write your stories down, put them in a journal somewhere and start collecting them. Uh, because you know, the gala will come and we'll say, Hey, we've got to do this, right. You know, write yes. these stories, and everyone will have forgotten them. Uh, so I hope that helps. One is oh. remember that a story is a narrative. Remember to make it brief, provide detail and emotion. And then on the next thing, ensure that you gather your stories. So th- those would be my three takeaways. I hope that's oh, helpful. Please, uh, if you're listening right now, if you're driving, pull over, if you're walking, stop, make a note of this, write it down, write it down, write it down. Because when you, whether you're doing an online event or an in-person event, whenever you're telling a story, any story, follow those examples, beginning, middle, and end. Like we have all been to a gala before where someone gets up and says, well, it all started in middle school. And then 45 <laughs> minutes later, we're running for the door, wishing someone had pulled the fire alarm. So follow but that. The emotion, the sensory, and the animation are also so important right. to your beginning, so important. middle, and end. How you Absolutely. tell the story. Can I just also say, coach your coach your donors who are going to get up on that stage don't 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 be afraid to tell them here's the mic or 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 be afraid well we can't tell you know joe because he's given us all this money so we really he he can have the mic for as long as he wants no (laughs) you're not doing joe a service and you're not doing your audience service service. absolutely I, i call it we have to be intentional specific and brief Intentional, specific, brief, animated, sensory, emotion, <laughs> beginning, middle, and end. They're the nine tips. There you go. There right you out. go. Just follow the follow that formula. It's kind of like someone said, well, how long should the video be? And the answer usually is the same, which is as short as possible, but long as necessary to communicate the story. As short as possible, but as long as necessary. But of course, keep it under three minutes. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> well, look, I'm getting, listen, I'm, I tell you what, the time is absolutely flying by. I can't believe that the, the time is here, but I got to say, and for every, every person that tunes in, every person that tunes in, we like to say uh, to our special guest, they're tuning in. They may be anywhere on this continuum throughout the pandemic. So what, we like to give them one actionable piece of advice, one bit of advice that you know has worked for you or has worked for others that you can share that they can put into practice today to help them with their fundraising. So we'd like for you to give that to our listeners right now. Oh, wow, that's so oh, reductive. We <laughs> put her on the spot. Stump the guest. <laughs> Pay attention to your own energy. Uh, I think it's self-care is critically important. You know, we spend a lot of time talking about how we need our audiences, but you are, you're the messenger matters, the messenger matters. And if you're going to be the messenger for your cause, for your organization, um, for your mission, you have to care for yourself. So don't forget that, um, you know, you, you aren't you in a vacuum, you are you for your audience. But I think what happens with fundraisers is often they pay so much attention to their audience and their needs that they really don't do and practice the self-care that, uh, uh, for themselves. That is, that is beautiful advice. And, you know, we've heard it more than once today. And so I think if you're listening, go ahead, give yourself that permission, give yourself the permission to take care of yourself, because if you take care of yourself, you are in a much better state, of course, with more energy, more creativity, productivity to move forward. But it all starts with you. And uh, we love our fundraisers out there. So we all want you to be super strong moving forward. So great advice, Pam. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. And I can't believe I'm saying this. I hate to even do it. We need a dollar in the part two or part three here because we could easily 
crank out, crank you out. You get to the fear part. You know? <laughs> so, well, I think I think Don said at the beginning these are all fearless fundraisers. So I think we've covered that right just by signing up. <laughs> they're already they're already fearless. Already fierce and fearless. That's for sure. With my new, I don't know if you saw my new fierce F E A R C E F E A R C E. Scared you do, scared you don't. You're going to be scared to so do it anyway. Oh, there you go. <laughs> We're getting a lot of tidbits out of this uh, well, podcast. It's absolutely here. the case. It's absolutely the case, right? You just need to do it. Remember, mission first. Those those that you're serving are are counting on us all to 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 do our very best here, and we will do it together. We obviously goes without saying. We're better together. We're stronger together. And uh, I'm talking about this great community of fundraisers, and that's you, fearless fundraisers. And sadly, that is about all the time we've got right now. Even though we want to continue, but we want to thank you for tuning in. We hope that you enjoy today's Raise Nation Radio topic and your daily dose. Well, you've had a big dose of fundraising inspiration here today. I want to thank our sponsors, One Cause, for making this episode possible. One Cause is, of course, driving the future of fundraising with very easy to use software solutions to help donors and nonprofits connect. Be sure to check them out at onecause.com. And on behalf of my co-host, I'd like to say the legendary because she is Don Lego uh, and are amazing, amazing. Look, by the way, I need one more chance here. Shout out to you, Pam. Let our listeners know how they can connect with you and find you out there online to learn more about how you're serving www.thepamsherman. The, the right. Not to be confused with other Pam. There are other Pam Shermans. She, one of them's a fitness instructor. That's not me. Um, <laughs> let's get to the right one. The Pam Sherman. And you can connect with me on social media at thepamsherman.com on Instagram, uh, on LinkedIn. You can follow me and I'm constantly putting out uh, advice from the edge. And I love her website, right? What is it? Um, it's www.thepamsherman.com. <laughs> Perfect. Thank I you. love it. Well, mark it down, bookmark it, save it, uh, connect and learn. Uh, thank you so much, fundraisers, for joining us. Until next time, on behalf of Pam and Don, I am Ben Farrell. Thank you for joining us at Raise Nation Radio and stay fearless out there, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. One Cause is the proud sponsor of Raise Nation Radio and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising with easy-to-use software solutions that help nonprofits connect with donors. Day in and day out, One Cause puts your cause at the center of everything they do. Let One Cause power your fundraising.